Hey, welcome to the podcast. My name's Jamie. Hi. <laughs> so this one, this podcast is about our good friend Willow. Um, they were, a, I don't know, when did they come on the podcast? Um, oh, it was like June or something. We spoke to Willow and we had such a good time. We went and met them in Brighton uh, in like late August, early September, yeah. because we wanted to go meet them in person. And got our portrait and stuff yep. like that. So we've we've done a lot. Two different occasions. I had a portrait yeah, you taken went and... by Willow with me and my missus, and then I went back to Brighton with you and your family to also meet up with Willow. So yeah, I take your portrait of you and the family as well. So we've got them scans <laughs> of those pictures in here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. So Willow does like tin type. Um, is that the right way of saying yeah. it? Yeah, tin type wet plate photography. <sighs> wet plate. That's the one. Crazy. Yeah, lots of people uh, will like know about their work and all that sort of thing, I think. Yeah. But if you don't, it's all very interesting and Willow is just like super cool. And they also do a lot of, um, yeah, like street photography, but very analog purist. Um, there's not a lot of digital stuff going on with Willow. I don't think so. But anyway. Yeah, they're, they're a top person to speak to. Really interesting and for sure we're going to see them more in the future. But yeah, it was a really fun episode. Stay tuned for this one and drop us a comment if you want to be on the podcast down below. Drum roll, please. If you want to start off by introducing who you are and how you got into photography. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, yeah, so um, I'm Willow. Obviously, I think most people probably know me as Wet Plate Willow these days. Um, so yeah, um, I've been doing. I suppose I, I first started taking photos probably about oh god, like twelve years ago now. Um, back, funnily enough, um, it used to be skate shots. Um, yeah. Obviously, um, having prior met you, Jamie, and found out you skate as well. Um, yeah. But yeah, I. I we basically I, I grew up in a, a little area where we had like um we, we were just skating all the time it's all we thought it all we did really and um we had one guy who, who was a videographer he had he bought like a little terrible video camera for like 50 quid slapped a 30 pound fish eye on it and we used to film ourselves um and i realized that because i started getting some knee issues so i started realizing i had to settle down a little bit and I was like, no, well, no one takes photos. So I just naturally kind of found myself going into that. And I had a lot of years of influence from my dad because he always had cameras around him. It wasn't like super in-depth on his photography. Um, so, yeah, I started doing skate photography. And then as I kind of uh, grew up and started going through certain uh, stages in life, I guess, and especially going into early adulthood and trying to work out like work and stuff like that, I set the cameras down for a long time. Um, and it wasn't until actually I moved into the Brighton area about uh, probably five years after that, that I really picked up the cameras again. Um, so I say I've been solidly doing it in the last seven years, mm. probably no, five or six years, sorry. Um, and yeah, basically it was it was like my way of finding escape. Like I, I kind of went for a stage of being agoraphobic and wasn't really leaving the house too much. Mm. And then um, I, I Basically, one day when I was at work, I had a, someone I recognised came in with a camera by his side, and 
I just thought, oh, that's a talking point right there. And he invited me out to take photos. So I picked up the old camera, buffed off the, buff, like brushed off the dust and took myself out with him. And since then, I've not really looked back. I started photographing the streets of Brighton. And that was kind of how I got over the agoraphobia. Mm. And uh, lo and behold, now I all I do is talk to people and try and take their photos. So it's been quite a step. But um yeah it's um what was kind of like the main thing that got me into photography again really was just this i guess this silly small talking point with someone who just had a camera by the side and just kind of reminiscing on the times where i took skate photos back when i was younger mm. um so yeah it's, it's been quite therapeutic i guess for me and it's why i probably dove in so hard with the photography is just because it was it was an escape from my own home i guess and now I just don't look back. I go for wonders with two or three cameras at a time. Usually my heaviest ones get a nice bit of exercise out of it. But um, yeah, it's, you know, even though your heaviest cameras, which I know, I know you've got the same as me or had the same as me. You had the Mamiya RB67. Yeah. So yeah, you say you know you're walking around. That's good exercise. Fair play because that is a heavy camera. But nowadays you're walking around with a whole dark room. Yeah, yeah, I do that. Uh, yeah, I feel like that's probably a little bit harder than just carrying a bog standard camera. Yeah, um, that that is definitely a different one. Um, so fortunately, most of the time when I'm taking my darkroom out, it's kind of like a pre-planned yeah, thing. Yeah. But I've got a set destination, I know where I'm kind of going for. But there have been a couple of times where I've pulled that darkroom out with kind of like no idea of what I'm actually going to do. I just wanted to take a photo. Mm. Um, and yeah, it's, I think it's roughly clocks in at about 20, 25 kilos of equipment I carry around. Yeah, um, yeah and this, yeah. I've got a little cart. And I don't know if, um, have you been to Brighton, Luke? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so you probably know how poorly cobbled the pavement is yeah. nearly everywhere. So I'm crawling yeah. around like this dark room full of very disgusting, horrible, explosive carcinogenic chemicals. You can hear <laughs> them like, rattling around inside. Um, but yeah, it's that's definitely an exercise in itself. But my most recent kind of trips, I've been going out with the, my Intrepid 4x5 and my Mamiya. So I'll load up my Mamiya in the bag and then just carry my Intrepid kind of over my shoulder and wait until I find something I can set up with. Um, so yeah, that's, uh, I, I just, I like carrying a lot of weight, I guess. I like, like making my life difficult, you know. Uh, <laughs> but, but worth it though, right? We'll, we'll get into the whole wet plate thing as well, but just to take it back to kind of like, getting into photography or getting into photography or rediscovering photography should I say yeah. I was exactly the same right so photography always appealed to me because like skateboarding I've spoke about this before and then I put the camera down but it kind of never leaves you right like you still like I think from the skateboarding side you appreciate like the arts that are involved with not just the skateboarding itself or a sport yeah. itself, but everything that kind of comes with that and I almost guarantee that you probably still read magazines or watch videos or whatever it might be and it was it never disappears does it what you know once you once you're a skater you're always a skater right yeah 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 we'll have to drop we'll have to drop the the link into the description of this video that you sent me of you skating <laughs> so so good I, I i haven't sent it to you yet Luke, but no, no, no. i sent willow a little video of me skating forever ago and willow did the same so good really really yeah. good. it's like me when i was like 13 yeah 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 good though yeah. but yeah oh, so yeah. then obviously you picked up the camera but i don't want it to go unnoticed because obviously we'll predominantly talk about your kind of wet plate photography style mm. but you were still a very good photographer 
that doesn't just specialize in wet play right so you yeah. have you know you have your own body of work that is you know is it fair to say that you kind of predominantly focus on like portraiture work but you've still got your own photography on on the side of that as well right you're, you're still a photographer at heart who wants to pick up the camera when they see something nice yeah yeah so um I'm, I'm the main work that i kind of will especially feature and post up and for instance and it's probably the work i'm most proud of tends to be my portraiture work yeah. um but yeah if, if i do still shoot street like um there's i know on my kind of yeah well i have two instagram accounts i've got like one that's kind of my film work and then one's my wet plate work um but on the film one there is a couple of like street shots on there um that i did mainly on a walk with a friend of mine, like a local friend of mine. Um, but it's something like, it's kind of something that stayed close to my heart. And again, I think the street work, for me, I nowadays, I do, I do it more for me um, in the sense of, because it was kind of like my, that was my main escape from things. Like I still do that to this day. Like I'm mainly taking street photos. It's usually because I've got like something going on. I just want to escape from it for a little bit, just go wandering with my camera. Um, and most of the time I'm not proud of the shots. I think most of the time they're terrible, but for me, it's more like the process. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We, we've said it a lot on this podcast, but I'm going to say it again because I feel like it's important. But photography is a massive, massive um, thing. We've always supported it in terms of how good it is to go with your mental health. Like you said, going out, just having a walk for 20 minutes, an hour, a weekend, whatever it might be. Yeah. it's really good for your mental health like it, it it is an escapism right because you're thinking like you're not thinking about work you're not thinking about the stresses or problems that you've got going on in life you're thinking about light and what looks good do you know what i mean because you're what yeah. you're, you're in that photography mode right like you're like oh yeah. that oh how can i how can i frame this happen before you know it you've done thirty thousand steps and you've shot in luke's case maybe 50 rolls average person <laughs> one or two yeah, for me, like most of the time when I do these walks, I don't even get through a roll. I'll take like mm. two or three photos. I'm I'm really picky these days. That's my problem, if I'm honest. But mm. like again, for me again, it's I think it's more like I I like the walk as well. But to have something to do whilst you're just going for a walk is always so much better. And if you can create art from that, then do it. You know. Um, and again, it is that kind of thing where. Yeah, I, I find it is wonderful for mental health because it kind of you you end up not having to think about the things that are causing those kind of distresses and naturally again thinking more about your angles with like your color theory if you're shooting color for instance or even for me like a lot of the time yeah because I've been doing a lot more black and white again recently as much as I prefer color um I've been looking at more like contrast values so when I've been looking at situations I've been thinking more about the contrast values in those situations and it, it is that kind of like distraction, I guess, sometimes that you need just to kind of settle you from those situations. And for me, that's always been a great part of it. So like even portrait shoots for me that that can work out is that because maybe it's more like someone I, a friend of mine, someone who's close, just gives you an excuse to go and see them. And you'd be like, oh, I want to practice taking some portraits and I want to get my gripes out. And they'll sit there and listen to you and you just take a couple of like test portraits or something like that. like. Um, I don't know if that's something that everyone has, but I'm quite fortunate in the fact I've got a kind of circle of people in the area here, which are like like-minded. They'll do similar things. Um, but yeah, for the most part, but like the old street kind of walks and stuff like that, I've realised I've gone so far away from the point. I was talking about street work and shit. No, no, that's cool. One of the questions I actually had was about the portrait stuff that you do. Or maybe, maybe, maybe it's more like you're you're gravitated towards that, right? 
And I, to be fair, I've recently got that kind of bug where, and Luke will tell you, like me and Luke go out for walks maybe once, twice a week, even if it's just on like, a, usually just on like a lunch break or something, right? And Luke's always yeah. looking at things, he's like, is that interesting? Is that interesting? He's looking through his camera. Where me, I'm like, I've gone more down that road of really slowing down my photography. And then I'm, I feel like I'm more drawn towards taking a portrait or stopping and having a chat with someone and asking if I can take their photo. But that doesn't mean that I'm right, Luke's wrong or whatever. It might be the case that I wake up tomorrow and it's a role reversal, right? And that's the beauty with photography. Yeah, but I was going to ask specifically about your portraits or your, should I say, street portraits. Are they normally like something where you've or not organised a shoot, but you're jamming with one of your friends for the day or whatever it might be and you just happen to take some photos or is it just a case that you're, you don't know them or have they booked in with you? Um, so a lot of the time it's um, generally kind of pre-planned stuff with a lot of my portraiture. Um, I, <laughs> I still suffer with the occasional anxiety with regards to talking to people on the street. But the other thing is as well is, um, especially recently where I've been doing a lot more large format sheet film work, I feel like it's kind of awkward to tell up to someone and say, oh, do you want to take your photo? And be like, oh, yeah, sorry, let me just set up this and I have my hood and get my focusing out and stuff like this. And it's, it's so long-winded and you know that person's probably like, I, I need to go to this place now. You've taken 10 minutes to set your camera up. So yeah. um, that's one issue I'm kind of suffering at the moment with that. But, um, yeah, it's, it's one of those things. I think it also... I tend to more so do those kind of asking people in the street when I generally have company of some sort, someone who's clearly a photographer as well. And I think that just comes from the fact that I know, uh, like when you're in the city or something like that, some random person coming up to you and just asking you a question, some people, it just releases so much sense of panic in them. And I worry that doing that to them. And I think it comes from, because I used to be bald headed with gigantic beard, tattoos out and stuff like that. And as much as I'm not a big figure I'm five foot eight and I weigh about 60 kilos I'm tiny um it's it's one of those things where it probably looks intimidating imagine like some random person's like tapping on your shoulder it turns around as me with a wild beard shaved head <laughs> looking probably a little bit like wired out or, or tired from just something and like just being like oh yeah can I take your photo I just I, I worry that it comes across weird I guess yeah. and uh, I always get that anxiety, but if I have someone else with me, um, I generally have a little bit more confidence. But I think just... that's a massive thing. Like, I, I said that to Luke the other day, like having him there or if I'm walking around with someone, it's a huge confidence boost because, and it's not because you're like worried about getting into a fight. It's more of like getting into an awkward conversation where with your with, when you're with someone, you've got, oh yeah, we're just out taking photos. You, you can see he's stood there with the camera. I'm stood over here with the camera. Or do you, yeah. know, do you know what I mean? You have that kind of safety blanket. Uh, yeah. And it, I don't know why, but it, like if I go out and shoot on my own, I'm so much more nervous. Like it's it, that's half the battle is just like wanting to take a photo that I actually want to take. You just feel like a bit of an idiot stood, stood there. Do you know what I mean? But when you're with someone, all that pressure, all that pressure goes away. Yeah, that, I think that is, a, I think to be fair, it's a common issue for a lot of um, photographers. And I think by nature, photographers tend to be a little bit on the mildly anxious side of life. Yeah. Um, That's why we want to be behind the camera, not in front yeah. of you. Exactly. You know, like, I've been trying to force myself in front of the camera a little bit more recently. Um, but, you know, just to kind of, again, ease that anxiety and also just to understand what it's like to be on the other side. 
But um, yeah, it is that thing. We're, we're all kind of somewhat anxious people. And I think we all have that kind of fear in the back of our head that we'll get that one person who's like, oh, no, 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 gets all like arsy about it and then probably grabs your camera, smashes it off the floor. And then you're like, oh, no, like that's yeah. a 1,000 piece of gear, 1,000 pound piece of gear just smashed into pieces on the floor because this one person got upset, like, oh, stick, I could take their photo. That's always like the, the thing that's in the back of my head and it always plays with me. So, I'd rather not risk that because at least if you've got someone else with you, he's going to decide which camera they're going to go for, and then you'll just be like, "Ah, oh, well, I'm getting the fuck out of it." So, mm. um, cool though, because like even like we're, we're, you know, I was fortunate to meet you a couple of weeks back now, and you know, you took a portrait of me and my fiance, yeah. which is awesome. And we, you know, we can talk about that a little bit, but you, you were saying like how often someone stops and talks to you just because out of pure interest of like the camera that you've got set up, right? You've got a large format camera, you've mm. got a dark room set up. Um, and the amount of people that will stop and talk. I mean, I like I. I think I took maybe four or five random portraits of people in the few hours that we we hung out, right? Yeah. And that was that was just people that stopped and asked, "What the hell are you doing?" Do you know what I mean? Not in, not in a not in a harsh way. They they were just. Uh, right? I'm gonna give you credit on one though. There was one which was not anything to do with me, which is the guy on the cycle. Uh, uh, so I, I literally was thinking about that earlier. I've just finished scanning all these photos in, and for the life of me, I can't remember seeing that. So I don't know if I've just misshot it, but I need to look at the negs again because I, I even said to Luke the next day, I was like, "There's a photo that I took that I'm really excited about. It's a yeah, portrait yeah. of a guy on this on this bike." And yeah. for the life of me, I can't remember seeing it. But um, <laughs> yeah, so I'm really hoping that that one comes out because that was that was up there, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you're really good at asking people. Like when we go out, I I can't do it. But like today, even when there, there was, we saw this guy like sat on this little like tractor behind this shop in town, and Jamie's like, oh, "I'll go nice and take a photo." And walk, you was like sat walking over to him, and you're like, "Nah, I don't want to. I don't. I don't want to take that photo actually." And, and even then, when you sat walking three over, cans deep a beer, and I was just like, "Is it worth that aggro?" Yeah. Do you know what I mean, like, I felt. Yeah, and like, I just went over, and I'm like. And yeah. run away, <laughs> like it's a boat, just... yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I'm, I, yeah, I can't do it. I just feel even when you go and do it, I feel weird. I just feel, but but they always say yes, so I don't know what it is. Really, don't know. But there you go. I, I always just try and remember, like, what is the worst that can happen? They say no, but easier said than done. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. See, well, I suppose in my head, the worst thing that could happen is that yeah, they beat the hell out of you and smash your camera like that's where my head goes to but I think one thing is it's just having the confidence I think if you go up kind of somewhat anxious that you the person gets uncomfortable because they're like oh why is this person anxious to do it Mm. I think if you go along and be a bit more like personable a bit more like more like I guess open in regards to like interaction then you're naturally going to have someone who's going to feel that same way back Um, open to have a conversation as well then mm. that always helps. So, so to be fair, after me and Vicky left Judy the other day, I walked along the seafront a little bit while she was chilling on the beach. Mm. And I got talking to, uh, no underestimation, she must have been 100 years old, this woman. <laughs> so, so nice. But I, I stopped her. I asked if I could take a portrait. And she was like, yeah. And I got talking to her for five minutes. And to be fair, I felt like a bit of an idiot. Like, And she didn't. She wasn't posing or anything like that. Took, uh, do you know what? I'm actually really, really happy with the portrait that I took. I'll show you in a little bit. Uh, yeah. But she was saying that she lived in Hove, not Brighton. 
So yeah. obviously we, we were in Hove, right? Not Brighton. But I always just say Brighton and Hove or Brighton. Like everyone knows it as kind of one place, right? And she was like, no, the tourists are all down in Brighton. Look how busy the beach is today. All the tourists have made it from Brighton and they've worked their way up to Hove. And I was like, yeah, those pesky tourists. And there's me standing there as a tourist. I'm just going to take a photo of you on the most touristy spot in Brighton, like on the seafront. Um, but yeah, it, she was so nice. Do you know what I mean? But I had a conversation with her. I had, I had to put in that time with her to be able to get the result that I did. Um, mm. And I would and like, even if the photo didn't turn out as happy as I was with it, I still would have been happy with the experience of kind of standing there and talking to someone, right? Yeah. That's it. Like, it's, that's not a big reason why I take portraits in the end is, from, again, coming from a situation of kind of like avoiding any kind of interaction with people in general, I found myself kind of enjoying more than anything those kind of interactions with people. And it's in those kind of like portrait uh, sessions that I guess that I, I find the most sense of joy at the moment and it's just that getting to know people and their kind of stories and stuff like that up until that point like obviously I have people come and get tin types and stuff like that done and obviously you spend the time kind of asking about them their life and if it's like a couple you ask them how they met and stuff like that and it's just always kind of interesting to hear like the different stories like that you kind was... of have to get to know them a lot quicker than you kind of maybe normally would right like in the purple or... yeah out and about wherever it might be so like and and you kind of like I don't know like I enjoyed talking to you I, I'd consider you a friend now even though we've only met that once right or twice yeah. now yeah but yeah, yeah. We, we we opened up to each other somewhat yeah not in a weird way we opened up we got to know each other and that to me was an experience and you know as soon as we left Vicky said to me she was like I completely understand why you wanted to get that done because like nothing, nothing against you and the kind of wet plate photography thing mm. My missus, she doesn't really understand everything when it comes to my obsession with photography, right? So I was like, yeah. I want to go to Brighton. We both love Brighton. We've always wanted to live there once upon a day. But I was like, look, I want this. We can do whatever you want Friday and Saturday. But on Sunday, I really want to go meet Willow and get this portrait taken. And I promise you. And like, she's like, oh, what's it going to look like? And I was like, it's going to look really old. It's not going to look perfect. It's not going to be super smooth. But it will be an experience. And yeah, then look yeah. at that photo for for the rest of our time together right and it'll be a cool thing to have and she yeah, yeah. got it afterwards she was like that was awesome do you know what i mean like that felt like a like a really laid-back photography shoot not that we've got any experience with photography shoots but mm -hmm. do you know what i mean yeah. it was an experience we remember not just the photo but the experience that we had shooting that photo with you do you know what i mean and which is cool do you know what i mean we get to cherish that for like the rest of our life right and yeah yeah having the actual template as well is is just awesome I mean that's it like that's that's the big reason why I love this like uh, the, the whole tintype process which I suppose we should probably start dripping into a little bit now since yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to ask like I don't actually know done the intro now let's it? let's educate Luke let's, and the rest of your yeah what, what what is it like how does it work example um, now so okay you you want the from the the, the get-go we'll give you the whole run for it yeah mm. yeah but but, okay. but without talking for five hours otherwise people might switch off actually no they won't because it's really interesting <laughs> um i reckon i can condense it in well, i, I kind of got into a routine of condensing it all down into about a 10 15 minute conversation oh, so you're not going to uh, turn into a robot though mm -hmm. uh, no i'm gonna i'm gonna try and avoid like the usual sprint <laughs> that I go by um we'll, we'll try and switch up a little bit but um yeah i mean so obviously what i do is is um 
well, I do tin types currently, um, which is a part of what's called the wet plate collodion process. So the wet plate collodion process is a way of achieving uh, photographic images. Um, and it was like the first kind of openly accessible like version of photography. It wasn't patented. You didn't have to pay into it to kind of get it to understand how to do it. You didn't have to have access to patents and stuff like that. Um, but it was done in two ways. So you have tin types and amber types. Uh, tin types is done on sheets of, well, it was originally tin, but it's aluminium now. And then amber types is on glass. Um, obviously, I don't want to risk carrying glass around in my rickety dark room. So uh, we, we stick to tin for the meantime. Glass is happening in the future. Um, so, yeah, the, like the wet plate collodion process is an old uh, 1850s method of photography. It was kind of it was argued when it was invented. It was either 1849 in the United States by someone I can't remember the name of, or it was 1851 in the UK by Frederick Scott Archer. Um, it was uh, basically as a, pro as a process, it involves taking a substance which we call collodion, uh, flowing it across the plate evenly. Uh, we then drip off the excess from the plate itself. That plate then gets dipped into silver nitrate for about four minutes, three minutes, doesn't really matter too much, but about three to four minutes. Um, and that's basically sensitizing the plate because inside the collodion that you uh, flow on the plate, it's basically the main thing that's made out of is nitrocellulose, um, uh, which is otherwise known as gun cotton, um, alcohol, ether, cadmium iodide and cadmium bromide. So when the cadmium iodide and the bromide react with the silver nitrate, they make silver iodide and silver bromide. Um, and those are the silver halide salts that we still look for in like photographic film to this day. It's the same kind of stuff. Um, so basically once that's sensitized, I then have to shoot the plate then also develop it whilst it's still wet hence the name wet plate and the reason for this is where it was an early emulsion the emulsion wasn't able to dry because when it dries it becomes the photosensitivity is lost and it becomes unusable essentially um but yeah so what you, what you do is obviously i said you got that plate ready you slap it into a plate holder which is kind of like standard for a large format camera um you can shoot wet plates at any size you just have to have a camera the size of the negative because it's a direct print so if okay. you shoot, shoot 35 mil ones but it's going to be a 35 mil negative size you know it's yeah. going to be small so the reason why we tend to do four by five is because naturally it's a direct print you can't recreate it essentially mm. um but yeah once it's um shot um it's then developed instantly why that's why i have a dark room around with me whilst i do it uh, it's a really fast process as well. The development is usually anywhere between about 10 to 20 seconds, depending on the chemicals, their age, and just like uh, various other things like temperature and humidity can affect it too. But it's a very short development time. It's about 10 to 20 seconds. Um, and then once that's ready, you put it into then a bath of hyperfixer. So I use sodium thiosulfate fixer. Um, and that's when the magic happens, really. That's the bit that everyone really loves because that's when the negative image basically turns into a positive before your eyes so when i bring the plate out of the dark room it's kind of like this weird almost like blue like color and it's quite clearly a negative and then when i dip it into the sodium thiosulfate it kind of all goes completely white and disappears and then suddenly it just all all like the contrast detail and like the shadow details all kind of like start appearing before your eyes mm. it's, it's a really magical experience i think that's kind of what sells that experience for a lot of people as well is just seeing that kind of process happen right before your eyes um and then once that's done i then let it dry out and i give it a bit of a varnish and 
it's good to go at that point. So um, I can get into ridiculous amounts of scientific detail if you want to, or historic detail is entirely up to you. We <laughs> feel free to ask any questions. It's no problem. But that is like the process as a whole. Yeah. But how how did you find out about it? That's um, not, that, that was going to be that's the thing. I'm like, but yeah, like I've. What no, made you fuck I've, with it? <laughs> I've never like so I've seen like the results and I've seen and they're quite like bi bizarre or like ghostly almost like some of the images that I've seen that you've created and then yeah. but like yeah but how did you even find out about it and learn about it and all that sort of thing well it, it all started because of um starting uh, uni um so I started yeah I went into uni for photography I think when I was like 24 25 um it was basically that same friend of mine who got me back into photography. He was doing a uni course and he was like, you should come along and join in. And I was like, yeah, go on then. Um, so I got in there and it was not what I expected at all. I was thinking it was going to be more down the roots of talking photographic history and then looking at the more artistic aspects of things. But the course I was in was definitely heavily aimed more towards a commercial market. But then also on top of that, it wasn't very... It, the big problem was is everyone who was in that course was people who were generally looking to do um, still life or landscapes, um, macro photography. Basically, I was the only person there who liked photographing people. So a lot of the course became heavily like weighted towards people, well, projects which didn't necessarily rely on taking portraits, which for me, this wasn't for me. Um, so I lasted a whole three months in uni and then I was like, mm -hmm. nah, fuck this, I'm out. Um, but it was that kind of thought going into uni that I'd understand a bit more of the history of photography that I kind of just went, well, you know what, I'll just do the research myself. Um, cause I'd already at this point basically started solely shooting analog. Um, cause I, I was shooting digital before, um, my first analog camera was actually my dad's first one that he bought in the eighties. He gave it to me. Um, and so I just started shooting the OM, so it was an Olympus OM10. And I was just solely shooting that basically. Just, my digital was gathering dust and stuff like this. Um, but yeah, it, it was that kind of, I loved the the whole idea of like how you just even get an image onto a sheet of film, you know, like that whole chemistry aspect of it, just like even down to the point of understanding how like prisms work and stuff like that, just mm -hmm. to reflect the image in the right, correct, like in a way that we can understand it better. The actual like uh, scientific side of it rather than the, the pretty picture side. Yeah, I, I really like the tech. So I come from an engineering background. I was originally doing uh, motor vehicle um, mechanics and engineering stuff. And then I, I went more down the engineering route. So I think I've got a very technical mindset when it comes to a lot of things. So and I also excelled in science when I was younger. So um, I did extremely well in biology, chemistry and physics. So I think going into it, like having this kind of very technical mindset, um, I kind of wanted again to understand how that works and then when I found out how film itself worked then I was like well how did they even get to a point where they understood how this would work and then slowly drip fed my way back through um, and I got down to the 1850s where the wet plate collodion process was and I even looked into stuff that came before so obviously the daguerreotypes and stuff like that but the wet plate collodion process was like the first kind of accessible portraiture form for especially like portraits because uh daguerreotypes kind of suffered with much longer exposures quite often than wet plate even though wet plate's known for its longer exposures too um 
but yeah I just I started like researching it and then I came across the wet plate process and that for some reason just stood out to me I think it was again it was that earliest form of portrait photography that kind of works well naturally being someone who kind of like does portraits um and I, I just researched it I just looked into again how it started um like the chemical process involved in it um and then just understanding like the actual techniques involved because a lot of it is kind of like pouring techniques um and I benefit from the fact that I work in the coffee industry so for a period of time I was a barista so my whole job was pouring liquids in mm. certain ways so now I think naturally for me the reason why I kind of excelled quickly with the collodion process was because I was very much used to already pouring uh, liquids in various ways. So it kind of helped me with that. Mm. Um, yeah, I was researching these techniques and stuff like that for maybe, I think, three or four years. Um, I, I became obsessed with it. I'd, I'd sit and watch YouTube videos about like tin type artists and like their kind of setups and the way they do things. Because the other great thing about the process is as much as there is an overarching like bright way to do things there are so many different ways to get to those points essentially like you can do different collodion mixtures you can do different developer mixtures you can do so many different things there is no like kind of set like it has to be this it has to be that and i kind of like that flexibility and freedom in it mm. um but yeah uh, i kind of lost my train of thought there i was just gone off on a whole tangent sorry no, I, no. I get into this whole like waffly aspect um cool. i'm sitting there spaced out like this is insane <laughs> hey, no, um, so, so did you have to track down the kit was it is it hard to like get hold of and learn yeah, what, what advice it? would you give to someone who's looking to get into it i guess well be ready to break your bank a little bit um and yeah. if you're in the uk get ready to get absolutely rammed by import tax because basically there's no one in the uk really making the chemicals anymore there was um one company that was making the chemicals but unfortunately due to covid and the, the pandemic they had to shut down um so if you're looking That's to why get... you charge me so much then yeah, <laughs> yeah i'm joking i'm joking it's a very very um, price the equipment is basically like so it, that was actually kind of perfect timing in that question because after the four years, I kind of just had a breakdown and I was just like, right, I'm buying everything. I'm just doing it. And um, bought a large format camera and all the gear. Um, so all the chemicals I use currently, um, well, for the most part, um, I use like pre-mixed stuff. So it's actually stuff I have to buy from the Czech Republic. It's the nearest accessible place to get a lot of the chemistry you need. Yeah. Um, unless you mix it yourself, which... Um, I've now started doing certain kind of like bits myself so I've just started mixing up my own ferrosulfate developers and stuff like that I'm going to do a little bit of experimentation with adding uh, copper sulfates into it as well to see if that helps uh, flow the plate differently um, Might be worth just, just to say as a warning or a disclaimer <laughs> don't mess with this if you don't know what you're doing like oh, yeah, yeah. Like, it, it, it can kill you right like is that fair to say like it's yeah, not good. yeah. Like just just from watching you hands on do it with gloves on everything. If you are looking to get into it, one hundred percent do that. But don't do anything you're unsure about. Reach out to Willow. Reach out to someone else, whoever it might be, your local camera shop. Keep your net about you. <laughs> yeah. So basically, nearly nearly all the chemistry I use is either flammable, explosive, or carcinogenic. So 
it's not ideal um, and it is something you really do have to be safe with. Um, so again, coming fortunately from a background where I've worked in engineering, I've had a lot of experience with uh, COSH, as we call it, which is obviously control, uh, control of substances hazardous to health. So I take a lot of care and a lot of um, serious practice involved when I operate with my chemicals. It's not something to uh, like kind of toy around with. Mm. Um, but yeah, it is. It, there is... There are some options you can use which uh, reduce risks. So you can get non-carcinogenic collodions, which use lithium rather than cadmium. But for me, I have used them. And I just didn't like the image it achieved. It just wasn't for me. So I've kind of gone more of a cadmium base. Some people use an ammonia base as well, which um, ammonia obviously is never too great either. Um, but yeah, so I, I buy all my kind of like chemicals from uh, the Czech Republic currently. It's a place that kind of pre-mixes it. I'm doing some kind of mixing myself at the moment. Um, but yeah, it is all stuff that's very dangerous. And the unfortunate thing is as well is when you make an order, you've got to be expecting to wait sometimes up to two weeks to get it because you can't fly the chemicals over because again, explosive, not great. Planes don't allow that. Um, they have to ship it across and it gets checked at every border because again, it's like when it comes, I have a whole dangerous goods form on the thing. And it's like multiple times it's been signed and stuff like that. It's it's not stuff to mess with. Um, but yeah, so basically you can invest in that kind of stuff. Um, the great thing is there's certain companies out there that can offer like packages, which kind of are a way to kind of briefly start into the collodion process. It comes along with a couple of like trays and stuff like that you can use and gives you sheets to film um, like aluminium sheets to use. Um, but it is one of those things. Unfortunately, if you're starting to do it in the UK, it is a bit harder to get hold of the, the chemical equipment that you need um, mm. unless you start from the get go mixing stuff yourself. But then that's a very in dangerous area because you're operating with a lot of chemicals that if you aren't careful enough, you are going to kind of either um, gas yourself out, you're going to accidentally set fire to your entire house, stuff like this. It's not not stuff to really um, play around with, I guess. But as long as you're careful, it's a good time, you know, like just be safe. <laughs> yeah. Open a window, you know, like you'll be fine. Um, <laughs> but it, like, even though I'm not 100% perfect, like um, when I'm operating inside my darkroom, I ideally should have some sort of respirator equipment because um i am obviously inhaling heavy metals in the sense of cadmium but then also i'm working around a lot of ether as well and obviously ether is not a really good one to be inhaling too often um there's also a lot of uh, very pure alcohol as well um and it's as much as i say all this i'm actually doing it in a more safe way than when they would have originally done it because um, the original fix that they would use was actually a potassium cyanide uh, uh, like mixture with distilled water um, and it actually funnily enough became uh, being a uh, wet plate photographer back in the day was regarded as one of the most dangerous professions and it was purely just because of people's own idiocy because they would have bottles of pure grain alcohol sat there and they'd be drinking it whilst they're doing these long exposures and then the next thing you know they've accidentally picked up the wrong bottle and then started sipping the cyanide and yeah. whoops you've killed yourself um and then on top of that as well is you've got all this explosive flammable equipment around, but then if you need to varnish the plate and dry the plate, you need an open flame, which is also an alcohol burner. So 
yeah there's risks um but for me it's a, it's a very very valuable piece of fun to have like um more than anything i'm hoping to start doing workshops soon and i'm going to start doing some uh, adaptions of my equipment to allow people to see what i'm doing a bit more mm. uh, especially inside the dark room um because I, I want i want to be able to show people how to do it and especially in a safe way because again if it is something if you don't if you don't go into it the right kind of care and like right brain about you 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 could have a very very serious incident and it's it's not something to toy with i mean it's like especially if people are interested in doing it i mean like if if, like i'd I'd love to i'd love to have a go i I would come to one of the workshops i mean like when you were saying that i was like workshops you've got running some workshops pay my money now and i'll I'll yeah yeah. Mm -hmm. um but yeah like don't like don't be scared to do it but at the same time yeah Keep your head on learn learn what you need to do but that's i mean if you are going to start doing workshops as well that, that's awesome and uh, i suppose as well you like keeping the art form alive do you know what i mean because there's there can't be that many people that do it i'm sure i'm sure there is but like in comparison to digital photographers or analog oh, yeah they, you know, they, know what i mean like, i'm talking yeah. like the, the, you know scented wise it's got to be a rare art form yeah yeah, I mean, like most of the people who do still continue to do the tintype process, you, you tend to find are people who um, more often than not kind of just do it from a home little studio where they're just doing little bits of still life at home, just kind of having fun with it. You know what I mean? Um, like I'm, I'm part of a couple of like Collodian groups and stuff like that. There's a UK Collodian group um, and then I'm part of like a worldwide one. And that there is more people, this is surprising how many people are actively still doing this, even within the UK. But there is that, there is the most of that demographic don't kind of do it for other people. They're literally like taking photos of like stuff like this in their house, just like on a plain backdrop. And like, I've done that, it's good practice, but they're not kind of going out their way to shoot portraits. And they're maybe just not the type of people who like to photograph portraits. Um, so they don't put themselves out there in the sense where their work's kind of seen by the larger masses like the only reason essentially why my work gets seen by probably a larger amount of people is because naturally when i photograph those people they show their friends and Mm. they show their family and it's it's more through that word of mouth that people see it i was going to ask you a question about that because obviously like you know i've now had the experience of you taking portrait of me yeah I've got that one of one photo. Well, in my case, two, right? But I've yeah, two different images. But th- there's only one of one, and you you didn't have time to quickly pop it home, let it dry, and scan it in quickly. No. How how uh, do you just have to reach out to the people that you photographed, or do they reach out to you and go, you know, I've scanned this in. Here's a digital copy for you. Is that the only way you can see the work again? Um, it does depend because um, there are times where. Um, maybe because for instance i knew obviously you guys were going away um like i just wanted to give it to you there because i wanted you to have that kind of experience straight away i can if i want to take it back home and then just ask for like an address and i'll post it you know like i I can do stuff like that if i want to um but for me i I don't know i kind of prefer that sense of feeling of being able to give someone just something they can instantly walk away with because you have this whole experience and then you get to see the final image and i'm like Right, well, I'm going to take it away for a couple of days now. I'm going to go varnish it, scan it, uh, like that. And it's, it's, I think it's too much of a tease at times, you know. Um, but it's, it's one of those things where 
for me, as much as I, I having an archive of it all would be absolutely wonderful, and having like a detailed scan of every single one would be great. I obviously take a lot of videos of the stuff that I do. I do like to do my little water bath videos, and for me, I don't necessarily need a high quality scan reminder of it because for me, yeah. it, it's that whole experience and like that. I, I I get what I want from it every time just seeing people have that wonderful reaction to the image and like getting to see their faces light up as the image lights up on the plate like just seeing that water bath clip is enough to remind me of that and that's that's more enough because you've got your own photos as well right like it's not like you you only take photos that you sell to someone you know what I mean like obviously oh yeah yeah obviously so your own you know you've probably got a house full of them you know what I mean so my my phone is currently sat on top of my box, which is filled with all my other tin types that I've done. And yeah. Um, yeah, so I've got them laying around. I've got a whole drying rack over there with some on them as well. Um, I've sold a couple now. Um, like there's some laying around the house all over the place. I know there's some in a frame over there somewhere. There's two hanging up. So I just I went mad with it as soon as I started doing it. That was the problem. And I've just okay. taken up way too much space taking bloody tin types like. I know I've got one like sat under my table under here and like, it's not even varnished and I haven't varnished it and I probably don't even plan to because it was literally a test image and I don't care about it. But I've got those sat around. I thought you meant it was under your table like you were using it to like lift one of the... <laughs> oh, that's a great idea. Oh my God, that's ways I can use tin. photo, great set product. There you go, bam. Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay, yeah, I'm going to do that at some point. Yeah, that's but, great idea. World's most fantastic um, and expensive leveler i don't know i don't even know what they're called yeah, a nice a little wedge yeah a nice little wedge <laughs> um but yeah it's it's um yeah it's, I, I, it takes up space as well that's the other thing um so as much as i would love to have a physical copy like eventually those things add up like i've you, you take a stack of 50 sheets of film compared to a stack of 50 plates it's it's a whole different level of space that you've got to account for um but yeah it's, it's for me um again I, I just like to be able to give someone like something they can walk away with and instantly be happy so i've just noticed how dark my lighting is now getting so i'm using the natural light and the sun is disappearing um but yeah it's maybe my screen what's that i've got, I've got the the light turned down on my screen a bit i thought maybe it was me yeah. Oh no no! I'm just getting darker. Well. That's the problem. Um, it's it's, quite, it's quite artistic. It looks quite moody. Yeah, oh, suits me well then. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's um, the, the whole process um, for me. Like, I my the experience I enjoy is the whole actual process of taking the photo and developing it and stuff like that. I don't necessarily need to hold on to the plate afterwards, um, mm. and again for me it's just one of those things where I, I get the joy I need from seeing people walk away with it you know um and knowing that they go home straight away with this lovely little memory that they've got um so yeah it's great I mean to be fair you've actually reminded me I've got um a portrait down there I need to I'm gonna actually hand deliver it to their house because they live down the road from me um so I need to do that but um yeah it's 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 it, it is one of those things that, yeah, it, it would be nice to, I guess, archive it and scan it all. But for me, I already put enough effort in. But... I mean, like, mm. but like photographs are memories, right? At the end of the day, they are memories. Whatever you're choosing to shoot, that, that is potentially a memory, regardless of the actual shooting process or the development process, whether you're shooting digital, analog, 
whatever. Do you know what I mean? Like, everyone has their own reason for taking a photo, right? And oh, yeah. your enjoyment was purely taking the photo, knowing that someone's enjoyed it. Yeah. Man, do you know what I mean? Like, I take photos for me, right? I don't I, I don't care if people always see them, do you know what I mean? Especially in like yeah. nowadays, like there's this whole like Instagram thing or you know, online thing, or should you share your work or should you not? But really, it's about you as a photographer, right? Or you as an artist. Yeah. yeah. It always should be. Like it every it's it's that whole thing where I don't think necessarily anyone can be considered a better photographer than someone else. Like if you were to go by artistic principles and sure you could put a, like a, a gauge on it, but mm. ultimately, as long as you're happy with the work you provide, then who can say you're better than anyone else? You know, like it, that all that matters in the end is that you're putting out photography that you can feel pride in. And yeah, what if, if, if five people like it, wonderful. If 500 people like it, even better, you know, but, just knowing that even those five people can sit there and appreciate the image that you've taken, yeah. that's more than enough, you know. I could be happy, like, if I got one like on something, I'm not going to sit there and be upset about it. I'd be, I'm looking, going, hell yeah, there's at least <laughs> one other person in this world who likes what I do. Yeah, yeah dude.